Stick around after our discussion as we will be interviewing director of live death and mini golf, Randy Kent. Hi, welcome to Wigging Out, the podcast where we discuss each other's wigs and watch Kristen Wiig's filmography. Today, EJ Lee is wearing a brown wig fashioned slightly like a Mohican. You could say, does that have product in it? Uh, it kind of stands up on its own. Oh, so is the wig made in that way to have mm-hmm. the Mohican style? Yes. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh. I like that. Because mm. sometimes you mess up the wig with like some product and it's yeah. unfortunate. My co-host Jay is wearing a wig of deep burgundy. It is floor length and very thick, almost like a curtain. That's actually funny you say that. I did fashion it from a curtain. Really? Yeah, I went to a gentleman's club. Mm. The mm. British posh kind, not the... American Not stripper the kind. Not the L.A. kind. Great. Um, and there were some drapes there. Oh. And I took them. Hmm. And I'm not allowed in that gentleman's club yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's very Sound of Music of you. Repurposing old drapes. Yeah. It's a common theme in movies. But particularly in The Sound of Music. Do you think that theme may appear in today's movie, Like Death and Minigolf? God, I hope so. That'd be such a twist. Let's talk about Life, Death and Minigolf. Okay. Life, Death and Minigolf has been lost for many years by film scholars. Um, But the film scholars that have talked about it have raved about it. Um, Fortunately for us today, it has resurfaced on Amazon for the bargain price of $23. Um, So we are fortunate enough to watch this film today. We may even review the special features. Yes, there Um, are many. Most notable is Chapter Index. I look... Because I mostly watch films with a video and VHS player. Mm -hmm. So I'm always... I always like to see when there's a Chapter Index. Yeah. I feel like like cinemas can't offer Chapter Indexes. Yeah. My videos can't offer Chapter Indexes. Blu-rays sometimes don't even offer them anymore. It's a lost art, really. A good Chapter Index can really elevate a film. I agree. So I'm looking forward to that. What year is it from? The year is 2004. Oh, it so says on the back of the DVD. Relatively recent. So Life, Death and Minigolf is by Randy Kent. The brief synopsis, as the DVD describes it, is After the suicide of rock star Kent Ramsey, bandmates and old friends are suddenly reunited and forced to deal with the past, future and maybe play a few rounds of golf. I like the maybe on whether they play rounds of golf. I'm really hoping that they don't and that it's just not even mentioned and it's just kind of a tease for the DVD back. Maybe it was a tease for the sequel, the long-awaited sequel? Could be, yeah. The the first one is just life, death, and then the, the sequel is just end mini-golf, right. and they're just kind of getting you ready for that idea. I hope they do play golf. This is where me and you may, the cracks may break in... Mm our podcast hosting relationship. Yeah, that's tough. That's a that's a tough divide to uh, to bridge together. I don't know. Because I want to see Kristen Wiig hold a golf club. Yeah, you do have a weird thing about that. I like to see her using two hands. 
Yeah. I don't sure. like one hand acting. No, yeah, sure. What well what kind of what kind of club are you hoping to see? Do you have a specific variety? I think the level of acting is what corresponds to what golf club you use. I agree. Um Bill Murray, quite an accomplished actor, mm-hmm. now uses numerous amounts of golf clubs. Yes. Um frequently seen with a driver. And Tiger Woods was a great actor with his wife. Um knows how to use a many of golf clubs. Yeah, most I would say. Most golf clubs. Yeah. Accomplished actor means you can use as many different clubs you want. Yeah. This is Kristen Wiig's second film and I believe she is an actual. She might actually be in this film this time. Yeah. What do you expect from her first performance? I I expect to see her face. Um I kind of expect to hear her voice, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker if we didn't. But primarily, yeah, I expect to see at least three parts of her body on screen. Hoping for two limbs. I'm hoping for two hands. Yeah. You you got to think about the hands. Yeah. Two hand acting will be good. Two hand acting and uh, a golf club thrown in. Yeah. Between those two hands. Mm-hmm. Betwixt her thumb and fingers. Yeah. A golf club would look great. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't say no to that. Well, let's watch Life, Death, and Mini Golf. Let's. Please pause the current podcast you're listening to and insert the movie Laserdisc. Once finished with the film, please return to this prestigious podcast. Welcome back to Wigging Out. We hope you watched along. EJ, do you want to give a brief synopsis of the film? Oh, God. Um, a man dies. He commits suicide. He was a drug addict who was a front man of a band in... Uh, either Georgia or Florida, and it's about his friends and his wife coming together for the funeral and the weekend they spend together dealing with the death of their mutual friend. So, Kristen Wiig fits into this whole scenario. She is the cousin of the deceased. Yes. As well as being the ex-wife of the deceased's perhaps former best friend? Hard to say. Ba- former band member, for sure. Former band member who no longer talked to the deceased in his final years Yeah. of living. So let's first just rate Kristen Wiig's performance, and then we'll get talk about the nitty-gritty of her role. Yeah. If you were to describe her performance, the volume of the wig... Much like your Mohican, yeah. what volume would you give her hair? Um, I I would give her her ten wig hairs. Ten wig hairs. So so the volume of the wig hairs are they coming out quite large? They're curly. They're curly. Yeah, they're, it's a blend between the two. They fall, but they're curly, so there's a bounce to them. Hmm. But they're not quite reaching your Mohegan level no. right now. Um, we, Kristen Wiig gets ten wig hairs for this film. Ten wig hairs. What do you, what do you think about it? Uh, I would say 
it, where it's her first, like, real role. Yeah. Although we had suspicions about Mervyn Goes to Dinner, mm. about her role in it, this one it was definitely clear we saw her face and limbs as yes. we both wanted. Yes. I saw her two-handedly act with a golf club. Mm-hmm. Not in the way I would have liked. I would have preferred... She was using more of as a leaning post. Yeah. I would have preferred... She did swing it once. I, But I don't think you, it was off screen. Yeah, it wasn't full-bodied. No. Yeah. Yeah. Which was disappointing. Disappointing for sure. But she was really competent in her one-on-one interactions with people, I believe. I agree. Um, it did seem very well done in some cases. And I know I've seen some of her later work. Yeah. And I know you've seen some of her later work. I have. Uh, she does really shine in kind of dialogue scenes between, like, people. Yes. Yeah, it's good for an actor. Yeah. For her to be able to interact with someone. Yeah. What she may not be as good as, the first time we're introduced to her, she finds out the death of her cousin. Yes. She is on the phone, drops it, and shakes her hands and puts her face into her hands. Yes, it wasn't ideal. But to be fair, no one in that sequence had a natural reaction. That's true. They all looked like they were doing bad auditions for a David Lynch film. Yeah. That's an accurate characterization. Um, Kristen Wiig also did have a big helping hand, I think, with her main co-star, her new husband, Phil. Yes. Some of our viewers may, may know him as Kyle from Parks and Rec. And some, I hope, will soon know him as Phil. Yes. Wonderful character. Wonderful character. Genuinely just, wonderful character. Just a saint. Just yeah. a nice guy who is in a group of assholes at this funeral and knows exactly what to do. Yeah. He's just great throughout the whole thing. He's caring. He just... He's supportive of everyone. He helps out. Kristen Wiig is sometimes annoyed at him because he plays too much golf. Yeah. A thin storyline for sure. Do you think that was Kristen Wiig's idea or... Do you think that was the director's idea? Um, I feel like it was the director's idea only because I could feel that there wasn't a lot of golf involved in this film and it seemed like perhaps he was trying to bring more in in order to live up to the prestigious title. There was a, a good amount of mini-golf in the, like 20 yes. minutes, much to your dismay. Act 3 was mini-golf. I guess we may find out if it's the director's idea. We may be speaking to him later on in this podcast. Um, Kristen Wiig's hair is yes. short. Speaking of hair, it is an unusual haircut for her. I don't think I've seen it this short in anything else. She's usually got it long. Yeah, it's borderline pixie cut, but spikier. Mm. A little bit spikier, am I right in characterism? It's definitely what I'm going to wear next week as a wig. Yeah. In tribute. I'll be able to describe it more in full for the, for that introduction then, and the viewers will be able to, to visualize it. Hmm. Yeah, so I really liked Phil. Did you like any of the other characters? I liked Kristen Wiig's character fine. Hmm. Phil was the best one, for sure. The other ones were relatively unlikable. Skull seemed like he might have been from a Kevin Smith film. Yeah. And the rest seem to be from a dream. 
Speaking of fever dreams, what the Target! was the ending of this film? Now, we should say, spoiler warning. Yes. Um, for all those people who are going to seek out this film. Which I recommend. I recommend too. It's an interesting two hours. The film begins with a woman reading tea leaves yeah. and inside the tea leaves there's a circle of the next frame and it goes into that. Yeah. Although it does circle and transition. The first the very first thing we see is the title Life, Death and Mini Golf. And it zooms through the dot in the eye. So from, into that tea leaves thing. It zooms through the dot in the eye, then zooms through into the tea leaves. Wait, no it doesn't. It ends on it zooms into drums. Oh. Remember? Kind of. When's the tea leaves thing? It was a long time ago. Uh, tea leaves are either first before the title card, or they're after everybody learns he died. It would make more sense to put them before. I think, yeah, it's the eye everyone learns. Yeah. And then it zooms into the tea leaves, and then zooms into a set of church doors, and then the yeah. funeral begins. Yeah. Um, Kristen Wiig gets to act as the disapproving ex-wife as her husband comes in mm -hmm. all wet and doused yeah. with sprinkling. Yeah. There's a lot of physical comedy in this film, which is very odd for the tone of the film. Yeah, it kind of can't find the tone sometimes. Yeah. But we should f finish the tea leaf thing. So oh, yeah. we see the tea leaves and then... Every so often throughout the film, probably like eight or nine times, it cuts to a scene with a fortune teller turning over a tarot card. And it's never addressed or explained. The tarot card usually corresponds with, like, what is about to unfurl in yes, the next scene. exactly. It's never addressed until the very, very last scene after the resolve of the story. It comes back to the fortune teller, who is sat in front of the deceased person, Kent. She's reading his fortune. And he takes off his shirt, which is an indication of deciding not to use drugs. Which, and then it zooms into his eye. And then zooms out of the eye into a credit saying, a Randy Kent film. Yeah. But what this means is that the whole film was just the fortune teller laying out this boy's fortune if he were to take up drugs. And it, the end is him deciding not to after hearing what his friends go to go through. Yeah, and his friends go through a lot, but in the end, they all end up happy. Yeah. Arguably, the well, actually, the wife does end up happy. Yeah, everyone ends up happy. Yeah. So, so it's so a strange ending yeah i'm glad he chooses not to die yeah but also everyone does end up happy so what is the filmmaker trying to say yeah very odd ending for sure it's it's a lot of mixed messages but that's kind of interesting it was just it kind of negated the point of the entire film but the point for us was to see Kristen Wiig. Yeah, so mission accomplished there. Yeah. Now, if someone 
read your fortune, EJ, and told you what was going to happen in this film, mm-hmm. would you have still watched it? Uh, yes, but not at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Currently, we're recording this late at night. Yes. Some people can handle Kristen Wiig in the day. Um, so we have burrowed away in hiding. Yeah. So our love for Wig and Wigs can stay hidden. Yeah. Um, I don't like to feel ashamed about this, but sometimes society forces you to feel yeah. that way about Wig and Wigs. Well, I'm here to support you in that. Thank so you. Don't worry. That's very kind of you. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, yeah. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. Appreciate you. We appreciate you. We want you to know if you have a choice between life, death, and mini golf, choose life. Because in life, you can play mini golf. Actually, if you could choose between life, death, and mini golf, what would you choose? Tweet us. Uh, do we have a Twitter account? No, I was just going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, Tweet us at life, death, and mini golf. Or, uh, if, if, if it's there, at wigging out. And if it's been taken by someone else, well, that's unfortunate. Or, you could always send a, a nice letter or a card in the post. Not to us, just generally. Yeah, it's not, it it's, could it's, send it to anyone, it doesn't matter. Friend, family, write home to your loved ones. Don't ignore them, because... If you ignore them, then you may end up only seeing each other after the death of someone and then getting into weird arguments. In a mythical future being told by a fortune teller. Nobody wants that. No, no one wants that. Write letters. Write letters. This week, we're sponsored by the UK Postal Service. The UK Postal Service can send you letters with expedience. Emails. Aren't they a thing of the past? Hillary Clinton. If only she sent post by UK Post. Learn from her mistakes. Support UK Post. Please open your Skype application. And pretend with us you are interviewing a film director. We're here with Randy Kent, director of Life, Death, and Mini Golf. Um, so, Randy, how did you come to make Life, Death, and Mini Golf? Um, well, I had the idea because uh, it's loosely based, kind of on the Kurt Cobain story. So, like, not long after you know his suicide, I kind of started having you know ideas about the like, like how a fictionalized version of what the film would be. Uh, based on that. So over the years, I, I started like kind of writing it in my head. And it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles that I actually, like when I started writing and making films, that I realized that, I, hey, I could actually pull this off. I could actually do it. So I started writing it. I kind of wrote it as a short story. And then I got my, uh, I con- contacted my friend Andy, uh, who plays Phil in the film. He's a good friend of mine. He, you know, I kind of told him about the story. I said, hey, I'll help you write it. And then he, recruited someone he knew called Krista and she was kind of a writer. So, uh, we recruited her. So the three of us basically spent, um, six months writing it, you know, off and on 
kind of fleshing out the screenplay. So that's that's how the you know the overall film came about. And then at some point, you know, we kind of put it away because we didn't really think we had the money to do it. And then at some point, I just decided, hey, let's just shoot it. And we recruited all of our friends to kind of do it and be in it. And that's what you see today. How long did it take to do the actual shooting? We shot it in, I think it was about 15 days, or 15 days total. So I think it was like 12 days. It's mostly that you saw it. It takes place in the house, and there's like a church, church scene, and there's a mini golf scene. So it was it was a 12-day shoot, and with like a couple of days of pickups, we had to reshoot the shed scene. Um, there was some issues with the first time we shot it. Uh, but yeah, we shot it in 12 days. So it was a very quick shoot. I mean, we were working, you know, 12, 16 hour days and we just all huddled up into that house. Um, just shooting and trying to make it work. So it was a very short, you know, it was a very small budget and very short shoot. I financed it myself. I paid for it with credit cards and cash and yeah. everything else. And everyone kind of pitched in and so it was a very kind of a team effort between all of us. So. Even though you were huddled up in the house, there wasn't any on-set drama like there is in the film. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, everybody, like, you know, I met all these guys through, because I do improv, or I used to do improv comedy, so, you know, Kristen is, you know, and, and Andy, like, all of us kind of, you know, we're in the improv, so we're all comedians, basically, and Joel, who plays Skull. Yeah. Um, he's a stand-up, actually. Uh, so, yeah, we're all comedians, so it's all, like, just, you know, we're all making each other laugh, and you know, having fun. I, I, I take that back. I was produ- I wrote it, produced it, financed it. I didn't have a lot of fun. You know, I was the one tormented. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. It's a good time. You can definitely it, tell from my first feature. You can definitely tell from watching it that it, it's uh, it's made out of just pure passion. Like a, you can definitely uh-huh. you can definitely get that vibe, which we definitely appreciated and related to. Yeah, that, no, that's exactly what it was. Andy and I moved to LA literally like a month apart, like in 1997. So we, you know, we started improv. So we immediately had that bond and we became really good friends. We're still really good friends to this day. And Joel as well, a lot of those guys. And um, so we all kind of started at the same time. So, you know, we kind of all came up together. Yeah. And it was all of our like first big kind of big film. I mean, we've done shorts and stuff like that, but like, this is all of our first feature. So it was like, you know, good times, you know, just kind of dolled dove into it to have fun and try to make something, you know, uh, something the best we could. Yeah. I mean, so. Have you so, watched yeah. it recently? Just out of curiosity. I haven't seen it in a while. It kind of makes me cringe to be honest a little bit because like it was shot, you know what? Well over, you know, it was, what, 2000, we shot it in 2002. Yeah. So it's been 15 years plus. So we, it wasn't even, there was no digital back then. It was all video, you know. So, like, the quality of it doesn't look as good, you know. Yeah. And, like, I watch it, and I, because I've grown, that was actually my, I, I learned how to make films and edit and everything on that film because I edited it myself. Wow. Um, yeah, it took me a year and a half, I think, to edit it to finally oh, get yeah. it done. Because I was doing it off and on while I was working and doing other things, but um, so that's why it really didn't come out for like two years because uh, it just took me so long to get it done. But yeah. so yeah, so now you know that I've grown as an editor and a filmmaker, I like see so many things I wish I could have done or I would have done differently and things like that. But you know, it's like it's a piece of history, my history, my filmmaking history, 
I've seen clips of it. Like, I'm putting together a new reel, so I'm, like, pulling clips um, from people, from Kristen and people like that to put in my reel. But mm-hmm. I haven't, like, sat down and watched it all the way through, no. It, it stands up. Yeah, it like, totally holds up. Well, when when we saw the trailer, we were a bit, like, we were worried. We were, like, uh... But then it totally stood up, and we were like, oh, this is quite entertaining and good. Yeah, I think no matter what oh, something is you. shot on, if it has a good story, then you don't really care about what the camera was like or... You know the budget yeah. or anything. Yeah, the practical side of me says that, but then the filmmaking side of me is like, you only had, you know, a red camera or, or you know, five D. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned that Andy covered the film with you. Correct. Do you think that it was unfair that then he cast himself in clearly the most <laughs> likable role, much like Brad Pitt in Twelve Years a Slave? Uh, well. No, he, his condition to write it, help me write it, was he was going to be put a part. He was going to put himself in it. So I was like, okay, sure, why not? You know, he was he was, he was, my, he was one of my best friends. So so yeah, that was and that is Andy. Like he is Phil, basically. That is him. So he just basically played himself. So he so we just kind of wrote himself in it. I mean, it is a little bit, you know, kind of funny. You know, he's like the lovable oaf, and that's kind of what he is. You know, um, but. Yeah, no, it was it was that was the intention the whole time. I mean, we wrote it basically for all of our friends. There was not a part other than the lead of Maggie. Like, there wasn't a part that wasn't written for some of the people that we already knew. So it was, you know, it was written with that in mind, that kind of communal, kind of communal uh, uh, spirit. So you mentioned already that it was kind of based on the Kurt Cobain story. Um, <clears throat> is there anything based on your personal lives in within the friendship group? Um, other than the fact that, you know, we're all, we're, we were all kind of friends that n- not, not really, no, it was, it was more because I'm a big music fan. And I was a big fan of Nirvana and all that. It's just kind of a more, and I played the, the lead, um, you know, the, the, the Kent, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't do a stretch with the name there. And cause you know, I'm a, I'm a, a wannabe, uh, rock star. So that was my way of like kind of putting myself in the, at least some kind of a rock star. Mode. And I actually sung all the songs, like, on the really? soundtrack, like, you know, like the closing credits song. I actually sung that and, like, recorded that. Oh, wow, um, that's cool. Yeah. I recorded quite a few, there's quite a few songs I recorded. We were going to make a soundtrack at one point, but it didn't kind of materialize. But yeah. there's, like, three, yeah, I think three songs that I actually sung and wrote myself and I recorded um, with um, a musician who was actually a friend of Joel's who plays Skull. Okay. Uh, he had this musician friend, and I went over to his house, and he said, because I was, I'd never sung before, so he, he he said, you know what the best thing to do? Take a couple shots of liquor, and it'll loosen up your vocal cords. So that's exactly what I did. Like, I had a couple shots, and I was getting a little lit when I went and sung the songs. I just belted my, my and I just belted my lungs out, you know, singing those songs. No, uh, that's so, what yeah, we did before this interview. Living out my rock star fantasy. That movie, my my filmmaking fantasy and my rock star fantasy. That's that's that movie. You know. Do you wish that Kurt Cobain met a fortune teller and <laughs> chose life? Yeah. I don't know if things would have been any different, actually. You have mentioned <clears throat> her a few times now. <clears throat> How did you meet Kristen Wiig, famed well, for met- this podcast? <laughs> Wigging out. Yes. I was wondering when you're going to get to that. Yeah. Are you guys wearing wigs, by the way? Of course we are. You're on, the, you're on the show. Of course we are. Would you like nice. us to know what kinds of wigs? We're happy to talk about them. Please do. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, well, Shay is wearing uh, a purple straight wig today. It's it's about shoulder length, and yeah. it has bangs that are just covering his eyes. Nice. Um, and EJ is wearing a slight afro-y hair, so it's sticking out kind of like a bit longer than a regular perm, I would say. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Good. Thank and you. what about yourself? Right. Are you wearing a wig right now? <laughs> I know what I look like because I've had a haircut in uh, a couple of months, so my hair is all shaggy and stuff right now. So no, I'm not wearing a wig. I don't have any wigs. What uh, we would suggest is you cut your hair and turn that into <laughs> a wig. <laughs> turn it into a wig? If yeah. it already yeah. looks like it. <laughs> I could do that, sure. Yeah. So yeah, how how did you come to meet Kristen Wig? You said already you were in kind of the improv community over there. Yeah. Is that how you met her? Yeah, there was actually uh, another friend of Andy and ours that, that performed with us at uh, the improv theater we performed at. He performed with her in a show. Um, and at the time we were casting, like we were kind of putting our fills out there for, for people to fill some of the roles. And and uh, he said, yeah, come check out uh, I'm doing this show with uh, this girl named Kristen. This improv shows, I think it was only the three of them um, that were performing in this show. So Andy and I went and we saw her and met. I mean, she was she was brilliant and we saw her and we loved her immediately. And said, yeah, I come audition for the film. And she came in and she like, she's such a natural. And that's what I really liked about her. It's like she just came in and she was just her and she's kind of, she, she nailed the part immediately and immediately was kind of ingratiated into the group. And, um, the girl, Erin, who plays um, Cassie, mm. she was referred to us by Joel, who plays Skull. He, he'd worked with her before. And she is actually on that new Kevin James show. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but she's like the lead on that. So it's kind of funny that, you know, two, like, two of the stars of my movie are like really big right now. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I'm, I'm happy for them. Do, um, do you but, take um, some responsibility in. Because you I direct. Do. Great. Yeah, you directed you them. You I shaped take, them. I take complete responsibility for it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was funny with Kristen because what had happened was, you know, after the movie wrapped and all that, I had to do some, you know, kind of kept in touch and all that. She kept inviting me to her growling show um, when she started the growlings with Melissa and all those people. And like, a, and like an idiot, I never, I never went. I never, I just... Uh. Because at the time, I was heavy into editing the film, so I would work during the day, and I'd come home and edit the movie, and I wouldn't go out or do anything, so like I missed all of the stuff. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, out of the blue, like every, all, we all get an email from, Chris, from, from Kristen saying, okay, hey guys, so I just want to let you know I'm moving to New York, New York you know, I'll see you guys again soon. And then, lo and behold, you know, a couple months later, I'm watching Saturday Night Live, and then boom, there she is. So I immediately called up Andy. It was like midnight. I'm like, dude, did you did you know that Kristen was on Saturday Night Live right now? Like, did we did we know this at all? Like, and he said, no, I got the same email. Like, wow. she said she was moving to New York, and she didn't say anything about Saturday Night Live. So it was just kind of one of those weird things. But she's like that. Like, she was very shy. And she was very quiet. She's very kind of she's very funny, but she's very kind of um, introverted. Like, I still see that when I watch her in interviews and stuff. I see that. One, the Christian that I knew, like she's seen, she's very kind of, she's always laughing. Like, if you saw that, you, you watched the DVD. You yeah, the, the DVD, bloopers is mostly her. 
the bloopers are all her, exactly. So that that's pretty much her, you know. So really happy for her. I mean, I'm really excited, you know, that she broke out like she did. I mean, she's like one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, actresses in the world right now. So it's kind of surreal, actually. Are you surprised that SNL has not parodied Life, Death, and Mini Golf? Yeah. I am so shocked. I think they should. I agree. Wouldn't that be cool? That's a missed opportunity right there. <laughs> Tell me about it. And Kate McKinnon would play the lead. She'd play Maggie. Yeah. Yes. Um, That'd be awesome. And uh, Bobby Moynihan would play uh, Phil. I think it's time for a reboot. I mean, it's been 15 years. <laughs> it. I think that's normally the amount of time it takes for Hollywood to redo a film. It's sure right. Movie. Yeah. yeah. I'd put Keenan Thompson as Skull. Maybe yeah. that'd Absolutely. be fun. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. No, no, it'd have to be um, 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 the goofy guy with the hair. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle uh, Mooney. Kyle Mooney. Yeah, it'd have to be Mooney, I yeah. think. But mm. yeah, we actually we always joked about like the sequel would be like Skull. Skull like invents some kind of a, an interesting golf gadget, and he becomes like a multi-millionaire. And he and her and he and Debbie move into this nice big mansion, and then they find out that Skull like accidentally electrocutes himself on the base, and so they all gather at uh, Phil and Debbie's new house to, uh, to for his funeral. And we'd make it like more of a comedy. Like we'd always joke about like what the sequel would be. Like, who, who, who's who's going to be the next one to go? You know. I would totally but, watch that. I'd love to make that. It actually sounds kind of interesting. Uh, think about it. But to reunite the old gang, that would be really cool. Because I haven't seen a lot of those guys in a lot of years. Actually, Andy, I've seen a lot. But yeah. Well, if you but, make the sequel, please come back on the podcast <laughs> and talk about it. I absolutely will. Even if I don't get Kristen in it, because she might be too expensive now. Oh, yeah, but she might be a bit out of budget now. I'd feel yeah. bad for Phil, though. He'd be, like, without... That would, that would be sad to see Phil without... Yeah, I feel like, really, the sequel would have to be Debbie has died. And then everyone gathers. Oh. That's a good way to kill her off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we couldn't afford Kristen, so we just killed her off. Yeah. And then Phil's like married to some like you know eighteen year old or some some twenty year old. Yeah, exactly. On set, did any cast or crew wear any wigs in the production of this film? <laughs> I did. I did. Oh. Well, sort of. Good. I wore a little bit of long hair with the bandana, like in some of the scenes, like they said the band. I was wearing a bandana or whatever, so some of that hair was a wig. So yes, I wore a wig. That's... I don't think anyone else did that I can remember. That's fascinating because I saw some of the pea brains footage, and yeah. so that was a wig. Yeah, yeah. That's great. What kind of material yeah. was it? <laughs> oh my god, it's been so many years. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I know it probably it probably wouldn't be human hair because that would kind of that kind of freaks me out to yeah. wear human's hair. It kind of feels kind of weird. So it was probably like some cheap little. Nine assist or a wig or something like that, you know. Like I said, that's uh, why you should make your own hair in a wig because you don't get freaked <laughs> out as much. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I don't know. Sequel. The sequel. The sequel. I'll just have it longer. You've done quite a few films now, mm-hmm. um, and Road King is your latest one, where you've directed a cast and crew in Bangladesh. Uh, Bangalore, yeah. Uh, Bangalore. Bangalore. 
Yeah. In a feature film. How was that? Just like this. Literally, I was on Skype all night because they're 13 hours ahead of me. So they were shooting during the day and I was sleeping during the day and, and shooting at night and sitting at my computer on Skype watching the monitor and kind of directing the actors. And, um, and it's all in language too. So I had a really good first AD on set who was uh, kind of helping me, you know, with the actors and stuff like that, even though they all spoke English, but kind of helping me with the language and just kind of interpreting what I, what I needed. And, you know, it's, it's also the third world country. So the internet's not great. So sometimes I wouldn't be able to be on Skype. So they would, they would literally do a take and then they would shoot it on their iPhones or on their phones and like text it to me. And like, I'd have to watch it and text back. Yeah, do it again and do this. And sometimes it got a little, you know, slow and antiquated, but. But yeah, it was pretty much like this, you know. Um, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting uh, experiment. And it took us about a year to get it done because we were doing it off and on. We couldn't really, really run out of money and stuff like that. But um, And the edit was just finished. Like, they just sent it to me like a couple of weeks ago, so I haven't even been able to watch it yet. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to have it released next year. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we'll look for it. For if sure. you photoshop Kristen Wiig's face on like one of the <laughs> actors we would definitely watch it yeah we'll put it on the podcast <laughs> how about I do that on all the characters it'd be really interesting because they're all Indian obviously so the, the, the color difference would be quite uh, quite striking yeah uh, that would be an interesting statement of some kind <laughs> um, so you've got some you know experience directing over Skype how would you change our performance in this interview right now? How would I change your performance? Yeah, give us some notes. Oh my god. Uh, well, I can't see you, so it's kind of hard to uh, know. Our expressions are just grinning. Oh, I bet they are. I say switch wigs. Maybe that'll help. Okay. Good um, are you in the same room together? Yes. We are, yes. Okay. Um, I would say do get up and do some jumping jacks and just keep the energy going. Um, it's been lovely chatting to you, Randy. Thank you for telling you us too, guys. Thank you. Um, things about Kristen we didn't know. Yeah, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And uh, we're <clears throat> looking forward to seeing your next project. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, um, just de- definitely once the uh, show's done, send me a copy of it. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. If, if yeah. you make the wig out of your own hair... Please send it. Yeah, please over. send it. You'll be the first to know. Great. You'll be Great. the first to know. All right. Well, thank you, Randy. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you so you much. Too. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. What side of the toast is mine? This one. Yeah, that side okay. of the toast is yours. Hello, welcome. You've caught us at our breakfast meeting. Hello. We are eating toast. We're wearing wigs. Business as usual. Uh, so you just listened to our interview with Randy Kent. It was very gracious and generous of him to come onto our podcast. We thank him very much. This has been the second episode of Wigging Out. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, the enigma with a stigma. Stay tuned.